Yes, sir. Good morning, Relentless Church. Man, my name is Raph. I am excited to be here with you all this morning. Thank you for coming, for choosing to worship with us today. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called This Is Us, where uh, we, um, we get the chance to talk about who, who we are as a church. When I say we, I mean uh, Relentless specifically, but also I think who God is calling us to be as a church uh, in general, as, as, as the church. And so um, this, is, uh, this is a good kind of reminder for, for us to, to communicate some things to you, but also for ourselves and uh, in, 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 uh, coming back to who God has, has called us to be, who he says we are. And part of who we are as Relentless Church uh, is um, we entered into a relationship with compassion in a specific community uh, called La Ceiba in Honduras uh, about four or five years ago. We felt like God was calling us to uh, kind of do something as part of our global outreach, and we uh, were prayed about where God might want us to land. We knew we wanted to do something that was helping kids, and that's how we linked up with Compassion. And uh, through some prayer, we landed on Honduras, a place that was close enough for us to go and, and visit. And, uh, and then we reached out to Compassion, and they hooked us up with a brand new community that was not being reached at the time, hooked us up with a local church and where they had just put a new Compassion Center. So uh, it was uh, 2019 when we first uh, got to actually go to Honduras to visit our Compassion Center and visit some of the kids that we uh, as a church, support, okay? And we were really excited about that. It was a great trip. We made some relationships with, uh, with the local church now. We met some, uh, uh, almost all the kids that we support uh, as a church. Uh, it was really, really um, powerful, and, and we were excited about what God was going to do and will continue to do. Uh, and then, of course, 2020, uh, COVID hit, the pandemic, and we, weren't, we haven't been able to get back there since. And as you saw in the video, uh, Honduras got hit pretty hard by COVID. We, we continue to support them, and we've been uh, uh, having Compassion Sundays to get more kids sponsored every year. But I, I'm excited to say we are in the beginning stages of planning another trip down there. Um, so if you're interested in that, we're, we're looking at late 2024, early 2025. But if that's something you have a heart for, something you just want to know more about on your way out, please let us know that. Stop by the Compassion Center and you can uh, just sign up there and we'll, we'll kind of get you included uh, on those meetings and, and what we're doing going, going forward. Uh, so when I say uh, we, we sponsor kids there, some of you, if you're not familiar with Compassion, what that looks like is $43 a month uh, provides all of the medical checkups, dental checkups, healthy food, education assistance, uh, key life skills training, opportunities like going to, uh, to build robots and things like that, like the, uh, our friend in the video just showed us. All those things are provided uh, through Compassion by the sponsorship of $43 a month. But, but even more importantly than that, sponsoring a child through Compassion connects them to the local church on the ground there. That's where they come to get their services. That's where the Compassion Centers are located. That's how they get connected to Jesus. They get to see uh, the gospel in, in effect, okay? And so it's, it's, it's uh, sponsoring a child. Is, is, it's, it's releasing them from poverty and connecting them to Jesus all in one, and that's why we believe in it so, so much. And so we're going to have, uh, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that here in a, in a, in a little bit. Um, and we're also going to talk about some of the local outreach that we do here in, in our own community. I want to let you guys know some of the stuff that we have been doing and maybe let you know how you can get involved. But, uh, so we've got a lot to cover today. But before we do that, I want to, I want to read you some, some scripture, our main kind of scripture for today. And then, I, and then I want to pray. Is that cool? All right. So Matthew chapter 26, verses uh, 6 to 13. We're focusing on today, verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar 
a very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head and was, as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus, thank you for your word. It truly is a, a light unto our feet, a, a lamp unto our path. God, I thank you, God, for, for just uh, the opportunity to come here today in your presence, Lord. I pray that you would speak to us directly from your word, that you would grab hold of hearts and minds, God. I pray that you would uh, encourage us, communicate us, God, show us more, reveal more of yourself to us, Lord. Help us to leave here a little bit differently than the way we came in because of a real-life interaction with your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Have you, uh, have you ever had that experience where you thought you saw or heard something pretty clearly only to realize later on down the line that, that you missed it, that you actually like missed it completely? Um, I, I've shared, I'm glad I'm not alone. I, I've shared this story before, but if you've heard it, bear with me. I think it's going to help us go where, where we're going. Um, my, my wife and I, we like to use uh, this verse um, that, that Jesus said, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. I use that with my kids all the time because they have a tendency of, of uh, fighting and, and trying to one-up each other and constantly, uh, you know, just everything is about, no, it's mine, no, it's mine. There's just like a self-centered nature that we all have that I'm trying to root out in them. And so every time I see it coming, I'm like, hey, remember what Jesus said, right? And so this one particular instance, we're in the car on the way to school in the morning and the kids are fighting about God knows what I don't even remember anymore. But I, I turn around, I'm like, listen, didn't I tell you, remember, remember what Jesus said, right? The last shall be first and the first shall be last. And, and my son's like, well, what's that mean, dad? And I'm like, I told you, it's, it means you need to care about the needs of others more than yourself. You need to start putting other people ahead of yourself. Don't be so focused about getting yours and you winning and you being the best. Put other people ahead of yourself. And they're like nodding their heads, like got real quiet, like indicating to me that they're tracking, right? They're getting this. We're like just a short interaction, you know, on the way to school. We reach carpool. I'm pulling up to the front. And honestly, I'm feeling pretty proud of myself. I'm like, oh, it's a good parenting moment, right? I think I taught him something. We get up to the front of the school. The door's open. I'm waiting for the kids to get out. Nobody's moving. If you know carpool, like people are, it's not long before they start honking, like you're holding things up, right? I'm like, what is happening? I turn around. They're fighting again. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, I'm going to be last. No, I want to be last. No, I'm like, get your butts out of the car. Just drive away, shaking my head, like completely missed it. They completely missed it. Truth is, they're not the only ones who've ever misunderstood something important Jesus said, right? I know, I know I've been there myself. As a matter of fact, the verse we're going to dig into today is one of those scriptures that has been widely misunderstood or taken out of context and used to justify and to say things that, that, that Jesus never intended. Okay, I'm talking about one of the verses we just read, Matthew 26, verse 11. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Now, as I said, I've heard this verse used uh, in church um, by, by, by good, well-meaning Jesus-loving people <laughs> to, 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 to say that we shouldn't talk about things like social and economic justice, that we shouldn't necessarily be focusing 
on, on poverty, not because uh, they, they would say they don't care about the poor, but because they would say, we just need to focus on Jesus, right? Focusing on those things takes the focus off of, of Jesus. We just need to talk about Jesus, and then that'll take care of, the rest will take care of itself. I cannot tell you how strongly I disagree with this view, okay? And there's a, there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, I happen to believe that we can all walk and chew gum at the same time, right? Like, I think we can do more than one thing, right? That's, that's a false narrative that we have to pick one or the other, okay? Not only that, but, but perhaps more importantly, that view doesn't seem at all consistent with the Jesus that we find all throughout the rest of Scripture, Right? When, we, when we read scripture and we read something that maybe doesn't line up, we've got to match it up to the rest of scripture and say, oh, okay, what's the, what's the reason? Right? What's, what's going on there? But all throughout scripture, one thing that is consistent is that Jesus was constantly found ministering to the poor, healing the sick, loving and meeting the needs of the weak and the defenseless, the least of these. Right? And so we know that's who Jesus is. Nevertheless, Jesus did say in Matthew 26, verse 11, the poor you will always have with you but you will not always have me. So what did he, what did he mean? Okay. Um, as I said, sometimes when something doesn't add up in scripture, you got to, you got to um, dig a little bit deeper, right? You got to look again is what I would encourage you to do is what I tell students sometimes when we're studying the Bible and they're like, well, I don't understand. Let's look again. Let's look again. Let's read it again. Let's pray about it. Let's look at the context. What happened before that? What happens after that, right? In scripture. And so in this instance, as we look again, Matthew, uh, again, we were in Matthew 26, Matthew chapter 25, right before that, Jesus was teaching his disciples a bunch of parables, okay? Um, and, and one of the ones that he ends on is in Matthew 25 uh, is the parable of the sheep and the goats, where Jesus is teaching basically about the end of times, and he says uh, about his return. He says, when, the, when, the, when, when I come back, the king is going to be like um, a good shepherd who separates his flock, and he puts the goats on the left and the sheep on the right. And to the sheep on the right, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servants. When you, when you saw me sick, you helped me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in need, you met my needs. When I was alone, you visited me. And he's going to say to the goats on the left, hey, um, sorry, but y'all are going to be left out in the cold. As a matter of fact, he's, he, he's saying that they're, they're not going to be with him in eternity. Why? Because when you saw me, you did nothing. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was alone, you didn't comfort me. You didn't, you didn't help me. And of course, they're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? We would never do that to you. When did we see you alone and hungry and cold and needy and not meet those needs? And Jesus says in, in Matthew 25, verse 40, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So this is the context. This is what happens right before Matthew chapter 26 in this encounter at Simon the leper's house. Okay, Jesus makes it very, very clear for all of his disciples and followers exactly how he feels about caring for the, for the least of these. Okay, how he feels about loving the poor. He says, what you do for them is what you do for me. How you treat them is how you treat me. How you care for them is how you care for me. Jesus lumps himself in with them. As if to say, I don't just want you to love them. I want you to understand that I am them and they are me. And then we get to Matthew 26. Okay, we started in verse 6. Let's back up a little bit. We'll read the first five verses quickly. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Jesus finishes teaching the disciples, and then he says, Hey, Passover's right around the corner, a couple days away. I'm going to the cross. He lets them know in no uncertain terms. 
Verse, verse 3, then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. So here are the religious leaders, those who are, are in power and have influence. They, where are they? They're at the palace, okay, scheming to try and plot and kill Jesus. But they say, no, no, we can't do it during the, the Passover. See, the reason they, they said that is because during the Passover festival, Jews from all over would come to Jerusalem and the population would swell by three to four times. They're like, if we try to snatch up Jesus, then there's going to be a riot. They think they have some semblance of control of when and how they can take Jesus' life, as if Jesus, God didn't design that himself. They didn't take Jesus' life. Jesus said right there, I'm going to give it. Now we get to verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper. Okay, so again, look at the contrast. The religious elite, the, the powerful, they're, they're hanging out in the palace, scheming to kill Jesus, okay? Jesus is where? At Simon the leper's house. Okay, if you're not familiar with leprosy, it was a, a, a deadly, just uh, terrible disease that was highly contagious in the first century where, where people's, um, their skin would literally deteriorate and their, their limbs would fall off. And if someone had leprosy, they would be outcast, like literally sent to the outskirts of society so that no one else could catch it and get it. No one would be caught dead around a leper. Okay, here's Jesus at the home of Simon the leper, which indicates to me that somewhere along the line, Simon had been healed. Okay, probably healed by Jesus. Okay. But still, he's known as Simon the leper. He's still known by his most shameful experience. Okay, he's, he's identified by his uncleanliness. Again, no self-respecting Jew would have been caught dead at his house, even after being healed for fear of being deemed unclean themselves. And yet that's where Jesus is. That's where we can find him. That's who he's hanging out with, okay? Meanwhile, they're at the palace. Verse 7, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Okay, so there's a, there's a couple of different accounts in scripture of Jesus being anointed by a woman, okay? In uh, three of the gospels, Matthew, what you're reading now, in John and in Mark, they're all talking about this same account, okay, the anointing at Bethany. There's another account in the Gospel of Luke where he says a sinful woman comes and pours and anoints Jesus with perfume. That's a separate account, okay? So the reason I bring that up is because on this account, which John records as well, in his Gospel, he actually names the woman. And, and John says this is Mary, okay? Mary, the, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, okay? You might remember Lazarus, whom Jesus rose from the dead. He was sick. They sent to Jesus, hey, Lazarus is sick. It looks like he's going to die. Jesus shows up three days later. They're like, you're too late, Jesus. Why didn't you come earlier? He's dead. They're mourning. Jesus weeps with them, right? The shortest uh, verse in all of scripture, Jesus wept. Then he goes on in and raises Lazarus from the dead, resurrects him from the dead, okay? Mary was there to witness that. This is also Mary, again, sister of Martha, who um, famously Jesus went to her house and Martha was running around preparing. She was cooking. She was cleaning. She was getting everything ready because Jesus was coming with the, with the disciples. And, and Jesus is sitting there in the living room. And Mary's just sitting at his feet, hanging on every word he says. And Martha comes in like, Jesus, will you tell her to help me? I'm doing all this work by myself. Why don't you tell her to get up and, and help me? There's a lot to do. And Jesus says, I'm sorry, but I can't. She's doing the most important thing right now because she was sitting at his feet. 
okay? So Mary was a disciple of Jesus, okay? And, and, and here she is. This is the woman that, that comes into Simon the leper's house, finds Jesus there, and what does she do? She dumps out an expensive bottle, the whole thing of perfume, all over Jesus' head. And the disciples start calling her out for it. Like, well, what are you doing? We why would you do that? What a waste. We could have we sold that for good money and helped the poor. Okay, now on its face, that sounds reasonable enough, right? That's not a bad argument. I, I, don't, I can't really blame the disciples for maybe, maybe thinking that way. But again, if we read the same account in John's gospel, what we find is that it was actually Judas who was really upset. Okay, Judas, the one who would betray Jesus, right? The guy who was about to betray Jesus. And the reason he was upset, John says, is because he was a thief. See, Judas was in charge. He was like the treasurer for the disciples. He was in charge of holding the money back. And, and he would line his own pockets with the offerings that would come in. And so he's feigning that he's upset, that he cares about the poor, but really he cares about himself. That's what's going on here, okay? Verse 10, aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Jesus says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Stop messing with her. Why? Because she gets it. She gets it. In fact, she seems to be the only person there who does. Mary understands that Jesus is king, okay? She took him at his word when he said he was going to the cross. And whether or not she understood the full weight of what that meant, okay, here she is by her actions. Mary did something that none of the other disciples said or did. She gave Jesus the love and the attention that he deserved before his great suffering. She anoints Jesus as her king. And Jesus receives this anointing as preparation for burial. Man, I want to tell you, God loves to use women to shine a, a big bright light on his presence and action all throughout scripture. And you can look no further than every, pretty much every encounter in scripture that Jesus had with women. Okay, and, and starting with, with his mom, Mary, who, who in faith trusted that the spirit would, would, would put a baby inside of her and she brought it to full term and in comes baby Jesus into the world. And when she comes to the, the temple, we see in Luke, uh, there's a prophetess named, named Anna who is the first one to recognize baby Jesus as the Messiah. And she goes and tells everyone, right? Then he starts his ministry and, 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 and he, he lifts women up in a society that says, no way, they don't have a seat at the table. And, and after his death, right, who showed up to the tomb but women and, and, and find that Jesus wasn't there. They, they witness his resurrected body and he tells them, hey, go tell your brothers that it's, it's going down. They, they, they deliver the first gospel message, right? Look, let's look no further than Jesus when we want to say, hey, we don't got to look to culture. We don't got to look to the world. Hey, what does the, let's look to Jesus. This is what we believe in, how we feel, and how we value women. In this case, Jesus is about to literally become the embodiment of the poor. The Apostle Paul described it this way in 2 Corinthians verse 8 and 9. Excuse me, chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So again, here's Mary, Simon the leper's house, 
the only person in the room who seems to recognize the poverty of Jesus. And how does she respond to that? By pouring out the most expensive thing she owns all over him. Just, just dousing him with it, okay? Almost as if to say, everything I have is yours, Jesus. I'm all in for you. I'm all in. Everything I got, I give to you. And Jesus, how does he respond? He commends her. In verse 13, truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus is highlighting her faith. He's highlighting Mary's faith. Mary understands that which is at the very heart of the gospel, okay? She understands her own spiritual poverty. Pastor David talked about this a couple weeks ago in our Bottom Line series, right? It is very difficult for those who are rich to understand, to recognize their own spiritual poverty. Make no mistake, every one of us, by the world standards, are rich, okay? It's so difficult for those who are rich, who have monetary wealth, who have material wealth, to recognize our own spiritual poverty. That's why it's so striking here to see Mary dump an entire bottle of perfume worth, it was uh, worth about 300 denarii, which uh, denarii would be, one denarii is like a day's work for a Roman laborer in that day. So 300, it's like a year's, a year's wages, okay? She just douses, pours it all over Jesus's head, okay? Almost as to say nothing was too good for her Lord. Nothing was too good for Jesus. She was all in. He's worthy of it all. We, we define the gospel here at Relentless as the incredible news of our rescue and adoption by God through Jesus. The incredible news of our rescue. And God adopts us into his family. Guess what? You can't be rescued unless you first realize you need rescuing. Right? We, we, can't, we can't truly accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior until we fully understand just how desperately we need him. Once we do, right, once we acknowledge that fact and put our trust in him and step into a relationship with him and we are adopted into God's family, then he starts to transform us. Right? We like to say uh, transformation over transaction. Right? Religion, um, old school, the way the Pharisees did it was transaction. Do this, 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 and that, and God will be happy with you. Right? That's not, that's not what God wants. He wants relationship. And he says, if you step into that relationship and you trust me, I will transform you from the inside out. And day by day, you will become to resemble my son Jesus. Your life will look more like his does. Nobody loved and cared for the poor and the disenfranchised more than Jesus did. So if that's true and I believe that it is, then again, what did Jesus mean in Matthew 26, 11, when he said, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Let me tell you what he's not saying. He's not saying it is optional for my people, for God's people to, to take care of the poor, to look out for the least of these, the, the, the widows and children. He's, he's not saying, hey, if you have time, if you got a little bit left over, if you, if you get a chance, that's not what he's saying. This is not a callous statement about poverty, but a recognition about the uniqueness of Jesus' presence and why it was necessary. Jesus was not minimizing poverty or dismissing the physical needs of the poor, but instead he was highlighting the spiritual poverty that we all share. He's lumping us all in together, unifying us in our need for him. How do, we, how do I know that? 
Well, because Jesus was actually quoting the first half of a scripture that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 11. Okay? I want you to see it on the screens. This is God speaking to his people, the Israelites, through Moses. Okay? And here's what he says. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. The context of, of, of Deuteronomy chapter 15, the entire chapter is about God setting up an economic system that will take care of the poor so that no one would be left behind in Israel and that everyone's needs would be met. That's what it's about because that's what's at the heart of God since the very beginning, okay? So, so when Jesus says, uh, the poor you will always have with you, again, he's quoting this scripture. Not only that, he knows his disciples who will have known the, 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 the Jewish scriptures very well. They know how the rest of that finishes. They know the second half of that verse. And so when he says, the poor you'll always have with you, again, it was in response to, hey, why didn't you sell that? We could have given it to the poor. And Jesus is like, come on, man. The poor you'll always have with you, and you know the rest. Therefore, it's your job to take care of that. And it always will be. Jesus cares deeply about poverty. He loves the poor, the widow, the marginalized, the orphan. And we know that, just like the disciples knew it then. But Jesus also knew that for some reason, whenever we have material wealth, we tend to lose sight of all the other kinds of poverty, especially the ones that live within us. So make no mistake, we are all poor, every single one of us. And until we realize and choose to acknowledge that fact, we live a myth. We, we live a lie. God is saying, hey, you need to be with those who are in need or else you might start to believe that you're not. You might start to believe the lie that the world teaches you that the more you succeed, the more you can accumulate, the higher you rise up, you can separate yourself from those who don't have as much. God says, no, 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 no. You need to be with them. I'm charging you with caring for them because you guys are unified in this thing because you all need me desperately. So when Jesus says, the poor you will always have with you, please understand, church, that was an invitation not an excuse. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What you do for them, you do for me. How you care for them, you care for me. How you love them is how you love me. This is us, Relentless Church. This is us. This is who we are. Why? Because this is who Jesus is. This is who God is. And this is who he calls us to be as his church. The God of the Bible has always had a heart for the least of these. We see it in his word. We see it in the life and the ministry of, of his son, Jesus, the living, breathing, loving representation of the invisible God here in the flesh. Jesus, who spent most of his time here on earth, again, feeding, healing, helping, loving, listening to, and ministering to the poor, the weak, the sick, and the defenseless. He said, I came for the least of these. This is us because this is Jesus, and it's who he calls us to be as his followers. James, the brother of Jesus, said this in James chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. 
Again, we say relationship over religion because, again, religion for a lot of people signifies what the, what the Pharisees believed in, not what Jesus came to teach, right? And so the religion that God honors is this, taking care of the least of these, right? James says this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. It means you go out of your way to take care of the least of these, you, to be compassionate and caring to those in need, to be loving to everyone you can. James is both describing and prescribing the life of a Jesus follower here. In other words, he's saying, this is us, y'all. This is us. As we trust Jesus and step into our relationship with him, he fills us with, with his love and his grace to the point that it's overflowing. He transforms us day by day to the point that we can't, we can't help but reach out and try to love and care for other people, okay? Why? Out of fear? Because we're trying to earn our way into heaven? So we can check a box and say, I'm a good person. No, it's because of the gospel. It's because of the gospel, the incredible news of our own rescue and adoption by God through Jesus. For Christ's love compels us, compels us. That word compels means like there's something in me that I don't even, I can't really fight against it. Like even if I don't want to, I'm being drawn to do this because it's God inside me coming out. Christ's love compels us. We love because he first loved us. And it's that transformational love of God, powered by the gospel of Jesus Christ, that compels us and inspires us and motivates us to become who he created us to be. A light in the darkness, hope for the hopeless. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing to other people. Let me, let me tell you what that looks like here at Relentless, okay? Um, we uh, historically maybe have not done the best job of telling you all the things that we're a part of or that, that, we're, that we're doing, and we want to we wanna correct that. These are some, some local uh, partners, ministry partners that, that we support as a church. Relentless, when I say we support them, what that means is e- each of them every month gets a check from Relentless Church, to support them financially and help them in their ministry, okay? In addition to that, we support them in various other ways, but I just want to make sure you're aware of these things. And so With Love from Jesus is one we talk about a lot. Um, We support their efforts to to feed families in the greater Raleigh area with dignity and love. That's their their mission, okay? They they, they have uh, what's kind of like a a food bank that is set up like a neighborhood grocery store, And, and people who need can come, and uh, first of all, they get a presentation of the gospel every time they come to shop, and then they get to choose their own groceries, again, with, with, with dignity. These are people who, in a lot of cases, um, are in a season of life where maybe they don't have a lot of choices, and so for them to be able to choose their own groceries is a, is a big deal, okay? And so, again, um, we send, uh, we try to send a team the third Saturday of every month to welcome, uh, excuse me, to with love from Jesus, but I want you to know they're open six days a week, and they always need volunteers. So if that particular Saturday or if Saturdays in general, general don't work for you, you can go there anytime. If you go on their website, uh, they encourage volunteers to come to a, a kind of an informational, like an orientation. That's not required, but they, you know, you can. It's helpful. But if you just, man, randomly, I got Tuesday off, and I want to go show up at 9 o'clock to With Love From Jesus, they will put you to work, and they will thank you for it, and you will be better for it. And so I just want to encourage you uh, to check them out and the good work they're doing. Hand of Hope is another ministry that we have supported from the beginning of Relentless Church. Uh, We believe in their mission to love lavishly on parents dealing with unexpected pregnancies. 
Okay, so that's, that's uh, moms, fathers, everyone involved uh, with an unexpected pregnancy. Hand of Hope, you should know, is a life-affirming organization. And what that means is they believe in whole life from womb to tomb. Okay, and, and so they, their mission, they come alongside to help uh, meet physical needs, spiritual, emotional, counseling, all of the above. And again, whether it's mom, dad, unborn child, or, or the children who have been born, they're, they're, they're full service trying to help and love and be Jesus to, to people who are in that situation, okay? And so uh, we're proud to, to, to support them. And one of the things we do is uh, Angel Tree, uh, our Angel Tree every year. We uh, get a bunch of Christmas gifts for the kids. Those all go to Hand of Hope. Uh, we also uh, try to help them in our, uh, e- with Easter baskets and things like that uh, around Easter time. And so more information about them on our website if you're interested. Lost Sheep is uh, one we don't talk about a lot, but they are connected to uh, Pastor Brickle, who is a dear friend of Relentless Church, and he is the head up of that ministry. And they do a lot of work with the homeless community in the Raleigh area. Uh, Pastor Brickle is always like, doing something different. He's always got something fun going on, but their website is uh, linked on our website. And again, we support them every month uh, and love to do that. So this is, this is what you're a part of, okay? Brian Road Elementary is a new partnership we have. They're a local uh, elementary school right down the road. Um, last month, uh, you guys just blessed and pantsed that school off with just so many school supplies and, and, and snacks for the after-school program and backpacks and all that stuff. They were so encouraged and grateful for that. And that's just the beginning. We're really excited about a long-term partnership with them where we can build relationships with, with the faculty and some of the families there. And, and uh, um, so please join us in praying towards that. And um, these are just some of the things where we are a part of, okay? And last but certainly not least, I want to talk about our global initiative, which again is our partnership with Compassion in La Ceiba, Honduras, okay? We talked about supporting children there and what that looks like. I want to tell you about the kid, uh, that, that the most recent kid that we support. We've got two in La Ceiba in that same community. Uh, about two years ago, uh, we did a Compassion Sunday like this, and my family and I uh, decided we were going to sponsor another child, and we got our kids involved, and we already had a little girl we were sponsoring. So the, uh, my kids are like, well, let's, let's get a boy, and they're debating through, looking through the packets. Oh, I like this one. I like this one. And so we're reading about the kids, and, you know, they just tell you a little snippet of their interests and, you know, what they like and what they do. And so, oh, I like to play soccer with my friends. I like to do this. And so we come across this one little boy. He's like, I like to eat snacks. That's all it said. I liked it. I said, that's my man right there. He is the one. We are kindred spirits. And so his name is Edwin, and we have been uh, sponsoring Edwin for about two years now. I share this because uh, at the time, again, this is going back two years, it wasn't necessarily in our budget to do this, but we like to go out to eat. Every Sunday, we go out, we grab Mexican food. If it's up to me, we're eating Mexican. But <laughs> every Sunday. And so we decided as a family, okay, we could let's, let's one Sunday a month. We're going to go home, eat peanut butter and jelly, whatever it is we got. We're going to put that money towards sponsoring Edwin. And so we did that. Now, I don't want to stand up here and lie to y'all. It was two years ago. We're still sponsoring. Those checks still go out every month. We also are still going out to eat again every Sunday now, right? Somehow that sacrifice got lost somewhere in the shovel. And, but I'm serious. As I was preparing this, I haven't even talked to my wife about this yet. But God's like, hmm, yeah, you used to skip a Sunday and go home and eat. But somehow you're eating and Edwin's getting supported. So maybe do you have room for another child, right? And again, that's, that's me working out with God. I got to talk to him. I haven't even had the conversation with my wife. But it's real, right? What can we do? And, and what's, what's going to have more value at the end of the day in God's kingdom? And so that's, that's where I'm at with this. I, I did also just a couple more things. Um, because my wife carries the heavy burden of 
not burden, but it can be if she's the only one doing it, the communication with our compassion kids. She was writing all the letters all the time. I was like, you need to write them a letter. I'm like, yeah, I'll write them a letter. You need to write them a letter. Yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. You need to. <laughs> Finally, it's like, they have an app, you know. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> like, okay. She, like, downloads the app on my phone. I, like, looked it up, and it's amazing. You can pull it up, and you get the pictures of your kids. You get a map of, like, where they are and in relation to where you are. You can write them letters right there on the phone. They get the letters quicker that way. You can upload pictures from your phone. They receive them instantly, and communication goes quicker and smoother. And now I'm, like, talking to these kids, and it's like, yeah, we got a real relationship now. And so I, if you don't know about the app and you currently support a child, download it. If you're thinking about signing one up, the app is your friend, okay? It's, it's amazing. And then uh, lastly, just uh, while we're talking about sponsoring, some of you have sponsored children in La Ceiba, through uh, Relentless in the same Compassion Center. And because of something or another, pandemic, whatever the case may be, parent got a new job, they move out of town. They leave the location of the Compassion Center. And so um, you're not supporting them anymore. And what Compassion does in those instances is they'll automatically assign you another kid. Uh, but it's at, it's at random. They do that because 85% of people, when that happens, choose to go ahead and do it anyway. And so it's just easier to keep more kids sponsored. But long story short, that means we're sponsoring a kid who's not in our community anymore. If that has happened to you or if it happens to you, they've assured us, hey, reach out and let us know. We will swap that child out for one in, in your community in La Ceiba. And don't feel bad. Please, he said, tell your church, please don't feel bad. That child will get sponsored. Okay, they guarantee that. So just throwing that out there if that has happened to you. If you want to sponsor a kid that you can potentially visit when we go on our next mission trip, please feel free to, to do that, okay? So again, all this stuff, all this information, I know it's a lot, it's available at the Compassion Table on the way out. Also information about our local ministries. Uh, I, I encourage you to check that out and um, be who God's calling us to be. You know, Compassion Honduras as, as an organization uh, in that country, they have a slogan called Changing Generations. It says Changing Generations. And I love that because it's, it's, it's a beautiful reminder of what we get to be a part of. Right here at Relentless Church, Make no mistake, that's exactly what we're doing. In the, in the name of Jesus and in partnership with Compassion and with the local church there on the ground, we get to be a part of a movement that is changing a generation in La Ceiba, Honduras, as we speak, one child at a time. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, invite the worship team to come on up, and they're going to get ready to, to close us out in a song, a new song called I Speak Jesus. As they come up here, I want to invite the rest of you to stand with me, um, please. And we're going to pray over each and every one of these ministries, all right? We're going to pray for our local partners here on the ground. We're going to pray for our global initiative in Honduras. And I want to invite you, as I, as I pray, um, I'm going to give us some prompts to pray. I want to invite you to pray with me. Don't let me pray over you. Join me in these prayers. There's power in prayer. Okay, it's one of the most powerful things we can do for these ministries as we support them to try and meet their physical needs is, is battle for them in the spiritual as well. And so as I pray, if you be so bold, you can pray out loud. If you want to pray to yourself, that's fine. But pray with me. Okay, um, let's go to Jesus. Lord, thank you. <laughs> thank you for today, God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our Savior, God, that you love us, that you chose us. Lord, right now, we just want to, we want to intercede on behalf of our partners. God, I want to pray for with love for Jesus right now. 
I lift up Linda Williams, who is the CEO of With Love from Jesus. Lord, she calls herself the chief encouragement officer. And I love that, Lord. I love her heart. I lift her up to you, God. We lift up her entire staff, her team, all the volunteers who come in and out of that place on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, God. Would you just give them a fresh wind? God, would you give them encouragement and strength and just your grace upon grace as they continue to meet the needs in the community? Lord, we pray for every person who goes through that ministry, God, who comes through those doors and gets to shop with dignity and, and just gets a, a glimmer of hope, God. May they, may they come into contact with your presence, God. That through, through a bag of food, through a kind word, through some prayers and some hugs, God, that they would know that you are real and that you're for them and that you love them. God, we pray the same for hand, of, uh, for hand of hope. God, I lift up every mother, every father, God, every person who, who's affected by that ministry, who's going, going through an, uh, 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 an unplanned pregnancy. Father, would you do what only you could do and meet them right where they are? God, I pray for, for all the, the children that they represent. God, as they minister to families, Lord, would you give them the resources they need? Would you give them wisdom and discernment and compassion? God, even when they're just sitting in the brokenness, God, and being there for people and here to listen to, God, would your spirit, would your presence be felt? God, we lift up Lost Sheep Ministries, Lord, for Pastor Brickle and his team and all the work they're doing, Father, in the community, for those who are struggling or experiencing homelessness, God. I pray, Lord, that, that, that God, there would just be a, a a revolution in the triangle of affordable housing, God, that all the projects that are on the shelf, that all the things that are, that, that, that are being thought of, that you would bring those dreams to, to, to fruition, God, that we would be a part of the solution, God. Find, find affordable housing for people, God, your people who need a place to live, a shelter over their heads, and let that be representative of the God who loves them and has a home for them, a place prepared for them in his house. Father, we pray for Brian Road Elementary School. Every child who walks through those doors, every teacher, every administrator, every parent that's represented, every family, Lord, would your love be made known to them, that it would become real to them, God, that, that a backpack or, or some school supplies or some snacks after school would not just be a snack, but that it would be a, a, a representation of the love of God. Lord, help us to dig deep and build relationships and, and long-term just be a light in this community. And Father, we lift up our, our, our partners in Honduras, God, for the local church down there, and Pastor Padilla, who's doing good work, your work, Lord. I just pray your blessing on him and his team. I pray for all the people who work at the Compassion Center, for every child who is currently sponsored by Relentless Church, for every child who's not yet sponsored, but who's going to be, God. I pray, God, even now you'd be making matches that you would be stirring up hearts, that you would be putting the perfect family together with that child for a long-term relationship that's going to pull them out of poverty and bring them into the kingdom, Lord, where we pray believing in Jesus' name. And only you can do it. God, we love you. We praise you. We need you. We thank you, God. We speak your name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow on earth, above, below. The name of Jesus. We need you. We praise you. We worship you now. Amen.